Good morning. How's everybody? Other than that ringing in your ear right now, y'all doing all right? It's good to see you guys. When Jacqueline said it was cold outside, I have to be honest, I kind of got a little excited. I love it cold. When you're when you're warm-blooded and as well insulated as myself, you enjoy cold weather. For all of you that are thin and don't enjoy cold weather, I'm sorry. But this is wonderful to me. Um, thank you, Chad. Appreciate that. So today I'm going to just be straight up front with you guys. Today's going to be heavy. Is that okay? Today's going to be very heavy. And some of you are going to walk away from today saying, Chad, I don't want to do what you, the Scripture is asking me to do. And I don't want to address some of these issues. And you have no idea the pain that I've experienced. And you have no idea what I've gone through in my life. And how dare you ask me to do what you're going to ask me to do today. And here's why. So I need you to look at me. Everybody looking at me? I love you. I do. And I want the best for your life. I want chains that are keeping you trapped. I want the bondage that has you confined. I want you to break out of that. And the best way I know how to do that is to teach you God's truth and to allow you the opportunity to step out of those painful, hurtful things that keep you trapped in life. And there's no way of doing it our way. There's only one way of doing it, and it's God's way. And so today, as we listen, here's my prayer. Here's been my prayer all week for us as a church and for for you guys individually, is that you will allow God to speak here so much that you, you cannot do anything but start to live it out in your daily life. What is going to be talked about today is not easy to carry out. It is not simple by any means. It is hard, and it requires us to do things over and over and over again. And one thing I'm learning in life is that a lot of times the hardest things in life require repetition. They require repetition. Whatever it is. What, what, if you want to do something hard in life, if you want to accomplish something hard in life. So there was a, a Facebook post that was put out by one of our dear elders this week that talked about lifting weights. And it said, if you, why do you guys make lifting weights so difficult? Just take the weights off the bar and it becomes simple. Thank you, Dale. And my response to that is, you don't, you, that's not how you do things. You've got to add weight. You've got to make things difficult. And the more you put up, the more heavier the weight, the more you do that over and over again after a period of time, the stronger you become. Did you all hear that? We're not going for tone in our spiritual life. We're going for strength. And so the harder we do to put things on the bar and the harder things we lift and we do it repetitively and we keep doing it over and over again, we build up a spiritual strength in our lives. So when the enemy attacks, we're ready to go. So let me pray with us before we get started. Father God, I love you and I thank you for today. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you have in store for us today. I thank you for the freedom that we are going to experience when we live this out. And so in all these things, Lord, I lift us all up to you and just pray, Father, that you would speak, that you would guide, that you would comfort, that you would give us the courage to do exactly what you've called us to do, and that's to forgive. To forgive as we have been forgiven. 
So, Lord, I pray, Father, that we step out of this room today. And before we even step out, we go out in an attitude of forgiveness. And we just do it over and over and over again, trusting you every step of the way. And I ask all this in your son's precious name, Jesus. Amen. Last week we we talked about, uh, we had one saying that we were going to claim in our lives. And do you all remember what it is or do you all want me to go preach it again? What is it? I'm over it. I'm over it. Remember I said I had a dad that used to look at me, and he's in security, so I can talk about him all I want. He, he used to look at me, and he'd say, Chad, you just need to get over it. You just need to get over it. And as harsh as that is, and as, as harsh as that sounds, it's, there's, a, there's a truth to it. And I said, let's just get, let's get over the command of get over it, and let's start making claims in our life that says, I'm, thank you. And so when the little things happen in life and the offenses come and things look at people look at us weird or things are done that we don't like, we're just going to say, you know what, I forgive them and I'm, thank you. And so today I want to share something with you that, that is not easy for me because I struggle in this particular piece too. In our lives there has been someone that has said something that has torn us down so badly that we don't know how, we, we have a hard time getting through it. In our lives, we have people that have done something to us physically and harmed us physically that we have the hardest time moving forward. There are people that have touched us in certain ways that we shouldn't be touched, that we didn't want to be touched. There are people that have pushed themselves on us that they shouldn't have pushed themselves on us. And we, are, we just don't know how to forgive those particular pieces. And today what we're going to do is look at God's truth. One of the hardest things that for me is, and I've shared a little bit of the story before, but one of the things that, I, that has stuck with me for years is, is a boss I had. And uh, this boss, this particular boss, felt it his need to put me in a corner and tell me, here's what you're capable of and don't step out of your corner. And when I would go to him for guidance and I'd go to him to, for growth, he would say, don't worry about it, Chad. You don't have what it takes to be a lead pastor, so stop trying. And he would say, you don't have what it takes to, to preach a full sermon series, so we're not even going to let you try. So just go back to your corner and do what you're capable of or what I think you're capable of. And when I went to him and I said, hey, this is what God's laying on my heart, he kind of chuckled at me. and He said, hey, good luck. Go and start, go to an old church and then just preach in an old country church and you'll be just fine. And these words stung. These words hurt. And for about eight years, I, I lived underneath this particular type of leadership and feeling the pain of all this and the continued peace in all of this. And you know what the sad thing is, is I started to believe it. I started to believe it. And here's the truth of the matter. Some coach, some boss, somebody that you love probably said something to you that hurts you so deeply that you actually started to believe what they said was true. And you bought into it. Somebody did something to you that made you feel worthless. That made you feel like you didn't matter. And you what the problem is, is we buy into it and we start believing it and we start living it out. One of the things I'm thankful for amongst a lot of things about this church is I am so grateful for our life groups. If you're not involved in a life group, you've got to get in a life group. But let me just tell you, when you get in the, light, the right light life group, 
excuse me, when you get in the right life group, don't expect the ones that truly walk with you not to speak truth into your life. I was sharing with a, a couple of them what our sermon series was on, and, and they looked at me and they said, um, Chad, what about that boss that you're having a hard time forgiving? Because we got invited to their house for an event, and I did not want to go. Did not want to go, and it wasn't. It was for a friend, a mutual friend, and and they called me out on the table, and I threw the game cards down. And I left. <laughs> like I don't know. We talked through it. And something that was interesting came up this week in group, and it was from, we're walking through Ezekiel as a group right now, and Ezekiel 33, and I want to share this with you because I think there's a way that we deal with things that we think's right, and then don't worry, this scripture's not up there, so don't, you don't have to look for it. I just want you to hear this. We live in a society that believes that their way of doing things is the right way. We do, it's just the way we do it, the way the society does it, the way they feel, the way they think is the right way to do it. And it's interesting. This is not a new theme in, in life, in the world. Like this is an old theme that has been dealt with time and time again. When we go to Ezekiel, we're looking at before Christ and we're looking at a prophet that was told to go to a people that was doing things their way and the way they wanted it done. And they were holding on to it. And so we get to this point in Ezekiel where this prophet goes to it and he says this. Yet your fellow citizens say the way of the Lord is not right. What does society say about the way Jesus does things? Or the way we do things as believer is? You can't do that. That's not right. One version says this. The way of the Lord is not fair. That upset anybody in here? Because everything's got to be fair. And I have three kids that let me know when things are not. Because we got to treat all our kids. The bottom line is fairness is a myth. We don't treat people fair. This fairness is, 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 is we just It's impossible. There's so many other factors in all of this that play into it that to try to treat our kids fairly is not going to happen. And what's interesting is the society says the way of the Lord is not right. And if we look at today's world, the way we see a, a world that says the way of the Lord is not right when it is their own way. And here's Ezekiel goes on to say this. When it is their own way, that is not right. And it's interesting because the, the, the thing that's so interesting in this is we are going to be tempted today with what is talked about to say, you know what, this is not right. What God is asking me to do is not right. And that's going to be what comes up. And so I've made you aware of it. And you have to fight against it. Because the truth of the matter is, is the way we want to handle things a lot of times is not right. And God has a certain way of working things out, a certain way of doing things, a certain way of accomplishing things that doesn't line up with the way we think. And what we have to come to is there's a way, there's a point where, where our brains stop 
and, and our way of thinking about things stops and we move to a place of trusting and a place of faith that says, you know what, I'm going to simply trust the way that God says this needs to happen. I'm going to walk it out and I'm going to watch what happens. And we're going to talk about that today. So go with me to Luke. Go with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 1 to 5. And we see in this passage that um, there's, there's an event that takes place. There's a conversation that takes place between Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus was, it was very common for Jesus to sit and talk with his disciples about certain things. And so we get to this particular place where we see in Luke chapter 17 another conversation takes place. And it reads this. And he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. Three again says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And in verse 5, here's the key. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Today we're asking God to give us the faith to forgive. We're asking God to give us the faith to forgive those most deepest hurts in our lives, those, most, those things that we have the hardest time getting over, those things that we're holding on to. And we're simply saying, Lord, give me the faith to forgive those hard things. Because we cannot do it on our own. And so we see in this passage, as we see Jesus talk about it, there's a piece in it that's so interesting because he starts it off and he says, and he said to his disciples, temptations to sin, to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. And I want to start us off with this particular truth. Do we realize that unforgiveness in our life is toxic? If we hold on to unforgiveness, if we hold on to this, this belief that I do not have to forgive, if we hold on to this particular piece and we let that set into our lives, that it starts eating us from the inside out and it becomes very toxic. It is, and here's the thing, Jesus doesn't say... When you feel like it, forgive. He doesn't say if you feel like it. He doesn't even say when the timing's right. He simply says to forgive. And he uses the word you must forgive. So it's not an option. So when we choose not to forgive, when we choose not to forgive, and remember what we said and define forgiveness. Forgiveness is us releasing that person that has offended us of anything we feel they owe us. In other words, we don't need an apology. We don't need them to come on their hands and knees groveling. We don't need anything from them. We need simply to release them of anything we believe that they owe us for the wrong that they did to us. And we've released them. We let them go. We forgive them. We do it over and over and over and over and over again. And we do it till we actually start believing that we've released them. 
Sometimes if we tell ourselves long enough, then we'll actually start to believe ourselves. Do you know that the same type of thing when you tell yourself something bad like you're worthless or that you won't amount to anything or that you won't do you, you, whatever, you know, you did the negative self-talk and you know what negative self-talk you, you put into your own head. After a long time, you start believing that negative self-talk. Guess what? You can do the same thing with, with something positive. It's what you're choosing to speak into your life. And so how about instead of the negative, we replace it with something positive, and we're going to replace it with a lifestyle, a, a, a choice to forgive those around us. And so this unforgiveness, when it sets in, it becomes a sin. It becomes this peace that we are living, we're doing something wrong. And it's very interesting. This particular passage, Jesus moves on to forgiveness. But before it, he talks about this temptation to sin. And it's so interesting to me that he uses this particular piece because he says this, Woe to you for, the, for this particular piece. When you let, when you continue to sin in this way, and let's just be honest, when we choose to not forgive, we are sinning. And if you don't know what sinning is, we are choosing our way over God's way. We are choosing to do what we want versus what God has called us to. We're doing something wrong. Sin is this. Sin is a target. And, and then sin is us missing that bullseye every time. We're just off target. God wants us to hit the bullseye, and we can just be a little bit off. That is sin. And in forgiveness, it is so important that we hit that target every time, choosing to forgive. He goes on and he says this, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and the, he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Anybody in here knows somebody that suffers with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with this idea that I'm going to hold on to what's been done to me and I'm not going to release it? Do you like to be around that person very much? Don't look at them. Don't, don't nudge them. Don't lay your head on their shoulder. Do you know somebody like this? I want you to think about homes where unforgiveness runs through it. When this particular piece runs, where we hold on to grudges, when we hold on to this particular, what does that home look like? What did you say, Dale? Chaos. Chaos. Someone said, well, did you miss the holidays? I mean, I want you to think about this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, woe to the one for whom this comes through. I know when I hold on to something, I know when I, I hold on to bitterness, I know when I hold on to a grudge, I know when I hold on to this particular piece, it makes me ineffective in my home. And as much as I think I'm paying that person that harmed me, wounded me, hurt me, as much as I think I'm making them pay for what they did, you know who pays for this? My family. My kids get the brunt of it. My wife gets the brunt of it. My church gets the brunt of it. When I'm hurt, when I'm wounded, you know what I don't feel like doing? Being around people. I don't feel like talking to people. I don't feel like getting close to people. Why? 
because you'll be the next one that wounds me. So what do we do? We isolate. We pull back. We make up every excuse why we can't be around. And Jesus says to listen, it would be better for that person basically to go away than to stay in that particular place. That's how toxic unforgiveness is. That is so much, that's why we need to deal with it. That's why we need to hit it right on. That's why we need to address it. That's why we need to learn to release. And we need to practice it over and over and over again. Unforgiveness destroys family relationships. It destroys your heart. Last week we said this, your calling is too great and your value is too much to be trapped with bitterness and resentment. What he wants to accomplish in our lives is not worth this stuff over here that we continue to let have power over our lives when we have one that is powerful enough to pull us out of it. Matthew 6, 14, 15 reads this, and this is right after um, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And so the very common prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And he gets to this point, and sometimes we miss this point, but this is very much a part of that prayer. And we, we forget this. We don't tie this in. Matthew six fourteen to 15, and it goes after the Lord's Prayer. It says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also what? Do y'all, do y'all, y'all getting this? But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, trespasses neither will your fa- Father... have to learn to forgive we have to learn to release i see this it's it's interesting i see this in um one of my kids i see it i see this particular piece and i and it breaks my heart somebody does does this kid wrong and they hold on to it i say something stupid and they hold and i say a lot of stupid stuff to my kids and, but they hold on to it. I'll cut, I'll cut this kid off in a conversation. And they won't let it go. They won't address it. And my prayer for this particular child is that they would learn to forgive and forgive quickly. But then I started looking at their dad in the mirror and I said, you know what? Maybe I need to model this for them. Maybe I need to be quick to forgive them when they make a mistake. Maybe I need to for, be quick to forgive my wife when she makes a mistake. Maybe I need to forgive that individual that wounded me so deeply and told me I wasn't going to amount to anything. And Maybe that's the toxic piece that needs to leave my home. We need to learn to forgive because unforgiveness is toxic and it runs throughout our home so how do i where do i go from here is luke 17 3 to 4 reads this and i i love this particular piece because here's what we do we talk about this need to forgive we talk about this need to, to that okay i get it chad unforgiveness is toxic i see it i i hear you whatever and then and then we say um then our next statement is but you don't understand what they did to me but you don't understand the pain that I carry. 
I may never understand because I, I didn't experience it, but I promise you if I've sat in rooms with people that have experienced, if not what you have, far worse. And I'll let you know the difference between them thriving in life and staying stuck in life is them choosing to forgive the person that offended them and hurt them. The difference between that, that person ex- truly experiencing what God has for them is them not holding on to that thing that has power onto them, but holding on to the one that has power, and that's Jesus. And so here's, what, so here's what he says, and I love how this, because we can all come up here and say, well, Chad, you don't know, but, okay, here's, here's Jesus' response to us with our butts. Verse 3 says, pay attention to the other person. Pay attention to everybody else. No, what's he say? Pay attention to So I need to focus on me. I need to focus on me. He says this, if your brother sin, rebuke him. Just so you know, the word, this word rebuke means confront. To go and let them know how you've been hurt. This word rebuke means you, you go and you let them know that they've done something wrong. And, and if he repents, forgive him. And so we get into this piece, well, Chad, what if they don't repent? Do I need to forgive? Yes, you still need to forgive. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive. And now you, well, some of you are saying, but Chad, they did it to me eight times. So I don't have to forgive the eighth time. Stop keeping record. The theme here is not the amount of times. The theme here is not that, that we seven times you're good. The theme here is not, well, they didn't repent, Chad. They didn't. This is not about them. What did they say? He said, pay attention to. If I'm paying attention to myself, do I care how many times they've hurt me? Do I care how many times they've repented? Do I care how many times they've done this? Do I care about what they do? No, what do I care about? Myself. Because forgiveness has to come from here. And forgiveness is what frees me. Forgiveness is what allows me to live that calling that he has in my life. And so we go to this piece where he says, focus on me. Pay attention to yourselves. And so in this, we get to a point where, okay, all right, I want to I wanna focus on myself, and I want to do this hard thing of forgiveness, Chad. Okay, but how does that look? What does that look like in, in, in my life? Well, here's, here's where we start. By focusing on myself and by paying attention to myself, here's what I need to do. I need to learn to reflect. And when I learn to reflect, I need to be honest with myself. And here's what it means to be honest with myself. And if we go to 1 John 1, 8 to 10, here's what I learned. 1 John 1, 8 to 10 says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so the bottom line is, if I can go and reflect 
and be honest with myself, here's what I'm going to find out is that I have missed the mark greatly in life in a lot of different ways. One of the best things, the best lessons I ever got was when I came clean to Julie about the pornography issue that I had. One of the best things that ever took place in my life was watching my wife walk through this piece of learning how to forgive me. And it got to this point, I wish I could get her up to share this with you guys. It got to this point where she says, you know what, Chad? I had to stop comparing you and what you did to me with the way I treated you. And then she goes, I had to stop comparing myself to other people and looking at this idea that, uh, well, you know what? You've wounded me badly, and so right now I'm above you, so I shouldn't have to forgive you. And she got to this key point in herself where she reflected on this. She goes, Chad, you're not my comparison. That person that hurt me is not the one I'm comparing myself to. Jesus says. And when I stand before Jesus, she goes, I missed the mark. And I realize that I've been forgiven by Jesus, therefore I must forgive you. When we start reflecting on ourselves and start realizing that, you know what, I've made mistakes too. I've messed things up too. And you know what, as badly as you've wounded me and as badly as you beat me, or I didn't beat her, as badly as you, as you hurt me, I'm done comparing myself to tit to, for tat on whether or not we did what to who. And I, well, here's where, I, where we're going. Did I miss the mark of my Savior who gave his life for me? And when I look at him, I learn that I fall short every single time. And he was kind enough and loving enough and gracious enough to give his life for me so that I do not owe the Father anything. It has already been paid. And because of that, she could forgive. And it taught me a lesson. If my wife, who I wounded so deeply, could forgive me, then I better step up to the challenge. I better step up and start forgiving the people that have wounded me. And it's a process. And it takes time. The question is not how many times I hold on to it. The question is how many times do I release it? How many times will I release it to that person? So who am I, reflect, who am I comparing myself to? Others, that other person and what they did? Or am I comparing myself to Jesus and how much he loves me and how much I fall short of him? Because when I'm honest, I've messed up. And I'm in need of a Savior. The second thing is this. I need to address. I need to deal with my own issues. So when I focus on myself, I need to come to this point where I deal with my own issues. I need to address them. I don't need to, to push them to the side way. I don't need to say, hey, they'll get better. I need to address them. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 reads this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And this says this. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God, as God in Christ forgave you. Now listen to this. When we carry bitterness, when we carry anger, when we carry wrath, when we allow that to come out of us, when we when we are are, are so 
pent up with this so much anger towards this person and every time their name comes up and every time the thought of what happens comes up and it's within us god says this is that your calling is not as too great excuse me your calling is too great and you are too valuable to me to allow this to have power over you so here's what you need to do you need to address that particular piece and here's what we got to do with that bitterness and that anger and that wrath and that malice and all that stuff that's keeping you in bondage towards that person that you hate towards that person that you don't want to forgive towards that person that wounded you that spoke those things that did those things that hurt you in that way here's what you got to do you got to be willing to put it all away you got to be willing to say you know what i'm done it's not worth it and put it to the side and when it creeps back in you push it back out when it creeps back in you choose to love When it creeps back in, you choose to forgive. When it creeps back in, you choose to show grace. When it creeps back in, you choose to turn the other way and look at your Savior and say, you know what, I trust you in this and I'm going to forgive. And we make those choices. Remember last week I shared with you a a breathing technique to practice. Anybody try it? I know I saw that Bob Ross's searches went up by like five people this week. My favorite, just kind of a little joke here. So we were at basketball practice this week, and I shared Bob Ross with our girls, our fifth-grade girls. I said, we don't make mistakes. We make happy accidents. One of the, we were doing a dribbling exercise, and one of the girls dribbled it off their foot. Another girl goes, look, not a mistake, a happy accident. It was great. The piece in this, listen, we've got to be willing to address those pieces. We've got to be willing to try over and over again. And that piece where I shared last week about that breathing exercise. When that particular piece comes in, that thought comes in, go back to that deep belly breathing, Idachi, and learn to deal with what's going on and watch what happens. The way God designed our bodies is amazing. And the way he implemented all these things to try and do If you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google Pace Breathing. It'll help you out. But it'll help you in this forgiveness piece because it's real, it's hard, and we need help in it. So we address the issues in our own heart. So what does it mean to come to this piece? So we're getting to this piece where I focus on myself, where I need to reflect. I need to address what's in my heart. And then the last thing is this, or the third thing is this, release. So what does it mean to release? Yes, we release them of anything that we own, but here's, some, here's a change. Here's an add-on. We need to learn to pray for those that have hurt us. And I know I just lost majority of you. We need to learn to pray for those that have hurt us. Why? Because we want to? Because it feels good? We do it because Jesus said to. We do it because his way is right. And my way is not. We do it because when we start praying for those people that have hurt us and wounded us, it changes our heart and our attitude towards them. In Matthew five thirty-four to thirty, or Matthew five forty-three to forty-four, it reads this: You have heard that it was said, "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." And Jesus is talking here, and he brings up this old piece that says, "You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy.'" And Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Pray for those who have wounded you. Pray for those that have harmed you. Pray for those. And when we pray, let me be very clear. When we pray, we're not asking that all hell breaks out on them. Because I can see some of us going, good, Chad, I'm praying. They're getting a car wreck today. I'm praying that they get fired and they get, right? We can go in a whole, no. Here's what we're going to pray for them about. Pray that God gets a hold of their hearts. Pray that you're the last person they wound. Pray that the people around them get to see a different them. Pray that God changes their hearts. That he draws them into them. And he totally radically changes their world. Pray for that person to experience the same grace and forgiveness that you've experienced. And when we start praying this for them, it changes our attitude towards them. And by that, we are releasing them. And that's what we need to get to. And so our enemies, the ones that we hold on to, the ones that we don't want to let go, the ones that have wounded us, the ones that persecute us, the ones that have been horrible to us, put them on our prayer list. Anybody see the Mr. Rogers movie that came out? Anybody? What was it called? Is it? Sleep. I went to it. I didn't fall asleep during it. You know what was interesting in that movie? I thought it was very interesting. Do you know that Mr. Rogers, a well-known pastor in his area, he would pray for people by name. Pray for them by name. He had a list. And I think a part of our lives, we need to start praying for people by name. And in our list, we need to have those people that wounded us. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And you need to lift them up to the Father and allow them, allow Him to radically change their lives. Because the bitterness you hold on to, the anger you hold on to, the resentment you hold on to isn't going to change them. It is going to defeat you. And your calling is too great. And you are too valuable to our Father to not do it. So you lift them up. The last thing here, Luke 17 to 5. And you're good, Jason. I'm going to keep this short. The last thing, 17 5 says this. The apostle said to the Lord, read it with me, increase. Admit we need help. Get to the point where you go to our Savior and you say, I need help in this particular area and then increase my faith. Do you know that every time I've asked God to grow my faith, that my life looks different from one week to the next and one month to the next? And if you had asked me three years ago how my life would look, I'd say it's nothing like this. But I am so glad I put my faith in God and not what some guy told me about what I was worth and what I was capable of. Admit we need help. And then 
Psalm 103, 10 to 12, it reads this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We have a God that does not look at us and see sin. But when we put our faith in him, he sees us as a child worthy of of his love, a child worthy of forgiveness of his grace and mercy. That's how he sees us. And he doesn't hold our sins against us because we've been forgiven. And because he forgave us, we need to forgive those that have hurt us. And we need to ask him for the faith to help us do it. So let's ask him. Pray with me. Father God, we love you. Lord, in this we know that there's hurt. We know that there's pieces we hold on to. And as we reflect on our own lives, Lord, as we reflect on our own lives and our own hurts, when we come to the deep ones that wound us so deeply, Lord, I pray with all my heart that we would come to you and say, Lord, we need help increase our faith. Increase it, Lord. I no longer want bitterness to be my life to be defined by bitterness. I no longer want my life to be defined by unforgiveness. I no longer want my life to be defined by the hurt that was done to me years ago or a couple days ago. I don't want that. Lord, I want my life defined by a faith in a God that loves me because, Lord, I know my calling is too great and I am too valuable to a God that loves me. Lord, help me to live that out. Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to release that person. Help me to pray for them. Help me to lift them up to you, Lord, knowing that you're the only one that can change them. You're the only one that can grab a hold of them, Lord, that you're the only one that can be bring about true change. And so in all of this, Lord, we trust you. In all of this, Lord, we simply ask that you would help us and give us the faith to forgive.
for strength to do exactly what he's called us to. And then maybe you're stuck in that spot where you just need help. And you don't know what to do with it and you just need prayer. Joyce and Phil will be over here to pray with you. You respond how God leads. Let's stand and sing.